0: Well, I thought I'd had enough Of all these Christmas songs When the stations start to play them I just turn it off But as I got older Each Christmas got colder Till this year their jingles a song in my heart All is calm on Christmas Eve All is love and holiday cheer In darkest night you're the dawn's early light You're warm. Christmas Day But for you and me It will always be Christmas Eve Our fire burns bright this Christmas Eve and the light flickers in your eyes, tomorrow it's true, I've got something for you. But for now, just breathe, be here with me, and as we let Christmas Eve Let's turn off the lights, dear So St. Nicholas finds us here With two stockings by Is near this Christmas Eve, a star on high by morning arrives, a baby born in a world lost and forlorn. you and me of Christmas Eve Darkest night, I'm the dawn's early light. My morning rays bring Christmas day, but for you and me, it will always be Christmas. E oh.
1: Did you like that? What a beautiful song. I mean, fantastic work. That was a really well-crafted song, Jennifer. Did you hear that? That song was by Foundring, and he did a like traditional Christmas song. And the guy's genius. It's just a fantastic song. Great chord changes, uh, like traditional sounding. Anyway, if you want to pick up that song, yeah, it's great. Great job. So if you want to pick up that song, you can go to foundring.gumroad.com and you can pick that baby up and that is called, what is it called? It will always be Christmas Eve. So, yeah, I love the Foundering. That guy just crushes, man. I mean, just so good. Anyway, now, uh, welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries, preacher of the heart. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm Marty Leeds. And I hear that somebody said yes to Mr. Chase over at Interforce Podcasts. Is this true? If such is true, Jen the Pious has agreed to marry me. A Merry Christmas indeed. Fantastic. Congratulations. Jen Brew the Pious and Chase over at Interforce Podcast. You guys are the best. I love you. Um, that's fantastic. I can't believe she said yes, Chase. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. I am your teacher of the Mysteries, Preacher of the Heart, as I just said. And we are coming live from uh, Beecher, Wisconsin. And I am your Beecher Preacher. And we do service every Sunday. And it is Christmas. And so we're going to do a Christmas service today. Um, so I appreciate everybody being here. Yeah, that's fantastic. Wow, great news. Awesome. That that couple, Jennifer and I, when we first heard that they were hooking up, were like, those guys are like perfect for each other. <laughs> Just the perfect couple. So um, fantastic. So happy for you guys. Um, all right. This... Is brought to you by content safe uh, if you're watching this on rumble odyssey bit shoot thanks uh, to content safe and we are streaming live from youtube and rockfin as we always do you can also get this service at the flat earth sun moon and zodiac app the flat earth sun moon and zodiac app and you can get that at gnosticacademy.org there's a little tab right on the menu there and you can go there and you can get this service through there there's a little um section on the app there and it's a little tab there and it's the education tab and that's me and so there it is sunday sermons and this is going to be great today, just so you guys know. Uh, this is going to be fun. I also want to say uh, just a few things. I also want to say congratulations, number one, to uh, my brother Chase over there at Interforce Podcast and Jen Prue the Pious. Yes, fantastic. Uh, so, congratulations to you guys. Uh, can't wait to see you. I also want to say congratulations to Austin and Kai. They had their baby, Austin Witsit it. The Witsit family over there, they had their baby, Alaya. Uh, seven pounds 3.3 ounces born Illuminati obviously she's perfect successful natural birth Kai is a champ thanks for all the prayers. so if you want to go over there and show them some love I think they have a, a fun setup too if you want to you know uh, you know get them some baby stuff or whatever that's fantastic. So congratulations Kai and Austin um, also want to say uh, Christy, good morning good morning mom. Good morning will Good morning Carrie. Liberian, and Art Darnell, and Doug Rolfe, and Jam Grassi, and Eric C., and Will Gensky, B. Strut, Thunder Chicken, thank you all for being here. If you guys, um, I know, uh, you, many of you probably know, um, Henrik and Lana over at Red Ice TV. Um, Lana was pregnant, is was pregnant, and she had a, a baby, Sigrid is the name, and she had, um, I guess she had him like a month earlier, so it was a little premature, and so the baby had to spend, I don't know, 10, 12 days or whatever in NICU, so... Um, they set up a fund and it's GiveSendGo and it's GiveSendGo.com slash Sigrid and I just I just donated about 50 bucks this morning Henrik and Lana have done a lot of really great work over the years um, and uh, they they were one of the first people that actually give me a platform to speak my mind And so if they need uh, an assistance, we'll be there for them. So um, if you want to show them some love, if you get an extra 20 bucks this Christmas or even five bucks, go and show them some love. I think they're like over half of their goal. So uh, it's really great. So um, I also want to say my condolences to my family. Yes, you did luck out big time, Interforce. Um, that's a good lady there. You got to get the good ones. I got myself a good one. You get yourself a good one. We're going to be, you know, even Stephen Square. I want to say my condolences to my family. Um, my sister-in-law lost her mother the, uh, last week. Uh, Diane Salsweedle born March 14th, 314. She was born, uh, in Wisconsin. She passed away from cancer just recently and it was, um, it was, you know, it was quick. She didn't suffer a long time, so it was really great. And she was ready to, um, as far as we knew, she was ready to go. So she lived a great life, and she's raised a good family. And I didn't know her that well. I only met her a few times, but she was, you know, always a super nice person. So please, if you get a chance today in your prayers, send one out to uh, the family. Um, my brother, uh, Vicki, and the rest of the family, the Salisbury family. So God bless you guys, and may you have safe journeys on your way, Diane. Okay? All right, uh, let's get some thank yous out of the way. Thank you to everybody that supports. Uh, thanks to all the people at the, the the ministry and the academy and the church and everything like that. Anybody that um, supports, donates, buys books, that sort of thing. Um, thank you, Stala. Thank you very much. Thank you, Carrie. Um, I want to say thank you to all those people. We got a list here. Lucy Short, Jeremy Hines, Liz the IM, Allison Flynn, Krupa. Uh, Jason Reed, Gen X-Rated, Truth Seeker, John Gaggett, Innerverse, I See You, I See You, Perspective96, Oscar Sanchez, Tyler Davidson, Gareth Turner, Daniel Hager, Nick, Nanette, and Sebastian. If you guys are listening, Merry Christmas to you. Love you guys. Som- Soma Veda Yoga, Eric C., Carrie Musgrave, Deborah Stille, Kittredge Compton, Ruth Scott, Run Boston Bear. Welcome to the um, welcome to the service in the Academy. Angre, Andre, my brother, welcome. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, thank you for everything you do. Um, Janine Grassi Virginia Murray Dave Weiss and Paige Love you guys Jackie Traverson Just received your Merry Christmas donation This morning Thank you so much God bless you Julie Pradal, Love to your family Received your card And and, um, and everything Much love to you And your family So glad you found us So glad you're learning That's what we do here uh, Matthew Joseph Flat Earth Watson The guy in the Flat Earth uh, You guys know the uh, Flat Earth Watson He's the guy that drives around in the Flat Earth van And lives in his van He does like tattoo artists And he's just set up a shop Really great dude Uh, So thank you. And then of course, um, and that's it. That's all the thanks I want to do today. Oh, except one more. We've got one more. Little reggae this Christmas, man. Yeah. So thank you all for being here, especially to the small acts. Um, We really appreciate all the people that come and support. It means the world to us. Jennifer and I couldn't do what we do without you guys. And so um, our own... Our own spiritual journey is not complete without you guys. It's a two-way street. I need you guys as much as you need us. And so it's fantastic. Um, it's it's great what we got going here. And hopefully we will continue to, to grow and build this. So, all right, let's do a Christmas prayer and then we'll get on with it, okay? God, our creator, we offer this humble, humble prayer on Christmas Day. We come to worship with a song of thanks in our hearts, a song of redemption, a song of hope and renewal. We pray for joy in our hearts, hope in our God, love to forgive and peace upon the earth. We ask for the salvation of all our family members and friends and we pray your blessings on all people. May there be bread for the hungry, love for the unlovable, healing for the sick, protection for our children and wisdom for our youth. We pray for the forgiveness of sinners and abundant life in Christ. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with your love and power. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So that's good. So today we're going to talk about the cosmic birth of Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to talk about the cosmic story and why we're celebrating Christmas today. We're going to go over that whole thing. And this might be a little long one, but I think it'll be worth it. So I do want to say... We are going to do some book giveaways, and I hadn't figured out how we were going to do this, but we're going to give away four copies of *Pi in the English Alphabets*, volumes one through three. So, if anybody does not have this um, and is interested, raise your hand in the um, in the chat here. And if you, and we'll just pick somebody out, and we'll send free books. It's a giveaway. I was going to do a whole like, um, you know, like riddle and rhyme and question and answer and stuff like that, but we're not going to do that. Um, so, if anybody's interested in one of these books. Let me know, and we will send it for Christmas. So, we're going to send four copies of Piling the volumes one through three. So, if you do not have that, we will send it to you. And we're going to do one copy of Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to send that. So, uh, Ben Krupa, done, son. Send me your address. You got one. Stella, raised. Carrie Librarian, done. You got one. Justin Fletcher, you want one? Boom! That's three, right? I can't count. It's either three or four. Maybe if we have another one. Phenomenal book, T. T. Roof Sika says. So you guys, uh, anybody else? Ooh, 77 seven qd pi Thank you. Thank you, small axe. Ooh, Christiane Sarasso, we'll send you one too. Why don't you guys send me your address, and we will send you a copy of the book. One of these. Well, actually, we'll send one of these, and then we'll send maybe one or two of these. Hand-raised Deborah Stille. Just uh, send me your address, and we'll send you guys one, okay? Look, that we, we took care of that one right away. I also want to let you guys know that Today is the release of, the pre-sale release of my book called Scripture in the Stars. That's right. The new book by Marty Leeds and the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. We are releasing a new book. And um, I, once again, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Book is good. It's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, Hardly any math in this baby. So if you're you're sort of scared of math, it's like, oh, Marty, that's all he talks about is math. No, that clearly I don't. Wrote a whole book, barely any math in this baby. So... This is a whole book about how the stories of this baby here, and we're gonna cover this today, of course. Like I said, it might be a long one. You got time? What else, what else are you doing? You drinking your eggnog? Have, eggnog, having a bloody mary this morning. Must sit down and watch Gnostic Church and Academy. So we're talking about this book here. Is discussing how this book here is all about that stuff up there. So uh, going. Uh, so the pre-sale today. So this probably won't be released, won't be sent out for another three weeks or something like that, but the pre-sale is going on today. Um, and basically a whole book detailing a bunch of the stories in the mainly the New Testament, some in the Old Testament, about and how they're related directly to the stars, how the entire story can be understood through the stars. Um, and so just so you guys know thank you in a verse chance my brother so uh, here's the contents we got a lot of stuff going on here we do Noah's Ark we do the tetramorph the great red dragon and the Beasts of Revelation Saint John in the wilderness and baptizing the river Jordan Jesus tempted by the devil Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden and the the flaming sword. Um, go over uh, the cult whereon Neverman man sat, um, the beheading of St. John, the miraculous draw of fishes, Jonah and the whale, Jacob and Esau, Cain and Abel, uh, lifting the serpent up in the wilderness, the parable of the sower, the damsel in distress. So a whole bunch of chapters on the main themes in the Bible and pointing out that they're studies of the stars. So we're doing, uh, we redid the graphics in a bunch. So some of these graphics are a little small, so we increased all those. And so it's really easy to see. It'll be really easy to read, not very complex. Um, thank you, Will, for putting that link there. Really easy to read, not too complex. We increased the graphics. So these graphics, are they don't look like this. They're a lot bigger now. Um, the the chapters are very short. They're straight into the point. We basically say, hey, here's the story that you know in the Bible. Here's the star correlations. Here's the map of the stars. Here's why. And then and then on top of that, here's the spiritual meaning of that story. Not just like, oh, here's some stuff in the stars. Cool. No. What what is the spiritual meaning that we want to um, extricate extract from that? And so we include that as well. And then in the back, and we've changed all of this, so the cover is going to be a little bit different, and the graphics are different. We we've, we've done some editing yet. But in the back, there's a whole list of the constellations. So, um, so, and it's a one per page. We actually changed this up, so the graphics are really big, and it gives an explanation, you know, short, you know, very, just like essentially one paragraph of what the constellation is, what its name is, what its etymology is, you know, some of the attributes of the constellation. So a reference manual in the back. So um, a lot, a whole lot in one little book, and very proud of it. Very proud of it. We, It, it came out very quick, probably... Made this thing in maybe a month and a half. So just, I mean, I just sat down and just, just kind of came out. So we're celebrating basically uh, a year ago, we released this baby called Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a big old fatty book. Needs to lose a little weight. Needs to go on Weight Watchers, I think. Maybe curves for books. Um, Lord Jesus Christ this is a big fat book, 550 pages, all detailing the Kabbalah of Lord Jesus Christ. And so, the, you know, these are, within the last year of, of starting this church, we've, you know, we've created a whole lot of educational material. So it's one thing for me to just sit here and blather on and be like, blah, 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 stories, Bible, math, stars. Okay, great, Marty. But I want to learn this more. So we've created educational material for you, um, strictly for that. So, you know, um, because we are a church, but we are also an academy. I want to teach. I don't want to just preach. So, um, so if you'd like to order the new book, that is, that's the pre-sale is today. Like I said, they won't ship out for probably another couple weeks or whatever, but, um, and very proud of it. I think you guys will love it. Like I said, easy to read. And, um, if you're not, if you're like, I like the math thing, but it's a little bit too much. Okay. Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. So anyway, so thank you all to anybody that has pre-ordered the book and everything like that. Um, We're actually going to read at least excerpts from a chapter called Death and Resurrection today because we're going to be talking about Christmas and why we're celebrating Christmas. Why is uh, Jesus's birth dictated on this day? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. The cosmic birth of Lord Jesus Christ. How much to ship to the UK? I think it's only like six bucks or something like that. The shipping has gone way up. Like that's the biggest issue with these. uh, uh, Just a let you guys know, everything I do is DIY. It's, you know, print on demand. I do everything myself. It's just me and my wife, you know, Jennifer like edits the books and indexes and all this other stuff. So everything is done through um, the small publisher. So the, you know, it takes usually longer to ship. It takes, it's more costly to print, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And it's just what we have to deal with. There's nothing that we can do about it, but I will say this for the cost of the books, they are worth every bit. So I think it's eight, maybe eight bucks to the UK. Thank you, Mr. William Gensky. So, all right, let's talk. Let's talk today about the cosmic birth of Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to go into what we usually go into. Thank you, Ben Krupa. Thank you. What we usually go uh, talk about is the Prisca Theologia, and so we're going to talk today about why we're celebrating Christmas, and um, on this day and the cosmic birth of Lord Jesus Christ. So we talk about the Prisca Theologia. What is that, Marty? Well, it's basically the doctrine that asserts that there's a single true theology, which extends through all the religions. And that's the one thing that we we recognize. We recognize that there is only one God. There's only one spiritual decree and one cosmology and one spiritual directive, and that's what we're gonna learn today. And that's what the story of Jesus is all about. We teach this sort of idea of animism. Um, Animism is the attribution of a soul to plants, inanimate objects, and natural phenomenon. The belief in a supernatural power that organizes and animates the material universe. That's what we understand the Logos is. The Logos is this word of God that interpenetrates through everything, exists within all things. And there's this supernatural power. We can understand this as the Tao. Basically the same explanation as the Tao, the way. The ever-flowing way of life, right? It's this belief that there's a power that organizes and animates the material universe. And we go to the material universe itself to learn about God. We go and see the order. We see the design. We see the patterns. We learn, we understand our spiritual directive from the creation itself because God speaks directly through the creation. And this is what we will learn today, that God speaks to us through nature. The world is our classroom. And we're going to see why, you know, Jesus is tied to a cross, you know, on a cross and dying and resurrecting and things like that. And we are going to understand, just as this book details very specifically, that these stories, these stories are not a bunch of history. These stories are stuck up in the stars and they're for all people. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So we learn our spiritual directives through nature itself, the living expression of God, the living, the living God. We go out and we experience that order and that design, and we extract the meaning from it. And this right here is trying to get you that's if you're watching at home, I just held up the Holy Bible. This baby right here is trying to get you to understand this. That's what these stories are for. And this is what's been completely separated in our modern Christianity, and this is what I talk about quite a bit. So, as you know, um, where does the cross come from? Well, it comes from the, the seasons, obviously, right? I mean, everybody experiences this. It doesn't matter what your belief is. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what my belief is. It doesn't matter you know what, what holy book that I you know adhere to. You know what you have to adhere to? This, God's laws, what God commands in, his, in the cosmology itself. So, one of the things that is given to all people is what? The Holy Cross. This cross is created naturally in God's cosmology through the seasons. Of course, we know summer, autumn, winter, spring. We're in the winter solstice right now. We just passed the winter solstice, and we'll talk about that. So, how do we understand? um, What is one of the ways that we can, once again, extricate or extract this higher wisdom from God Himself? What is what? What are the what? Um, what's one of the ways that God speaks to us symbolically? As we know, speaks through symbols. What are the one of the key symbols that's formed here? Duh, as we all know, it's a cross. Now we see the cross all over the world. We see it in Native American and South America and China and you just go literally all over the world and you will find the cross. Specifically related, specifically related to divinity, sacredness. Purpose, design, order—no question about it. No question about it. You can go. Of course, this is the Ute symbol. Of um, I think, where are they? South. I want. I forget. Southern Indians. Something like that. Excuse me. I'm a uh, total brain fart there. But um, here's your uh, Holy Cross of the natives. Your medicine wheel. Of course. What were? Where did they get this stuff? All of this based on the cross. There's your Egyptian Ankh. Of course. Well, how did the Egyptians and then these Native Americans that were across the ocean, how did they come up with similar themes and similar ideas and relate those similar themes and similar ideas directly to spirituality? How? How? They communicated directly with God. How? Well, they had the Holy Bible. No, they had the Quran. No, they had the Upanishads. No, they had a bunch of shit that was written down one time. No. No. They went and received that information directly from source. This is what Gnosticism is all about. Melodome, Melodome, hey, listen, brother, you're moderated. All right, keep acting up and I'll moderate you again. I'm just kidding. So uh, we go, that's what Gnosticism, Gnosticism is all about, really, is the experience, Is is receiving information directly from source, not going through an intermediary or going to this pastor or preacher over here to get it. How did these people come up with the cross literally all over the world? why what is the connecting thread god god's the connecting thread the actual creator he god has dictated this holy cross to every single human being that stands his two cold feet on the on the uh, two feet on the cold hard ground god has dictated that cross to every single human being period okay so this is why it's so important to when you see these once again when you do comparative mythology and you do this sort of syncretic understanding, you once again, we always look to get past that exoteric veil that everybody gets stuck on. We said we're not interested in exotericism. We're not interested in the opinions of men. We're interested in what God wants of us and how he's speaking to us. Where does all this stuff come from? God. Direct from source. Now, I don't know if you guys know this. I just want to talk about this really quick. This is a guy named Crichton Miller. He wrote a book called this baby right here. Kind of an arrogant guy, uh, still a globy, you know, um, You know, whatever. There, I got issues with the personality that is Michael Crichton, or what is it? not Michael Crichton, Crichton E. Miller, excuse me. Michael Crichton's that guy that wrote like all those like lawyer books and shit. Anyway, Crichton Miller, this guy wrote a book called The Golden Thread of Time. And basically what this guy did was created a working tool to map and track the stars in the sky from the Celtic cross. Now, I don't know if you guys know about this, but basically what this guy did, really smart guy, I interviewed him many, many moons ago, uh, really smart dude. And so what he did is he was inspired one day when he was, you know, walking, I think through a, past a cemetery or something like that and saw the Celtic cross. And he got this idea. He's like, that, that seems like that's a tool. Like that could be a tool for literally mapping and tracking the ascension and declination of the stars. This is the insight, the, the insight that this guy had. And all he did was look at a cross. That's it. He's like, huh. So what Crichton Miller did is he took this cross and he took the long bar and he took the short bar. And then he put a protractor in the center of it. And then he had this little uh, plumb bob or whatever that hung down, right? And so what would happen is that protractor would turn when he, when he tilted the you know, the cross this way or that way. And then that would give you a degree, an angle from where the crossbar is, that fulcrum is, to where the plumb plum line is, right? And so he, what he did is he put a little eyepiece right on the crossbar there. And then he's like, huh, oh, let's see, I'm going to go look at Sirius. Let's see, there's my horizon, and then I'm going to crossbar, and I'm going to tilt it down like this, and then there's Sirius, and then I'm going to look on my protractor, and it's going to tell me exactly how many degrees this star ascended on the horizon. In other words, this guy built a working tool of navigation simply from this and this and a protractor. Now, what's so funny about this tool, so this is, in other words, you can <laughs> naturally, just by just by looking at the symbol of the cross, you can use such a tool to map and track the stars on which, where do we get this cross? From the stars, right? The sun has dictated that cross in our sky. Solstices, equinoxes. So, this guy... Put the fulcrum on the ground. Put the eyepiece in there. It's got the protractor on there. And in order to actually map how, like, you know, the, the the star that's, you know, ascending up or whatever. In order to actually map that degree, you know what this guy had to do? He had to kneel before the cross. You have to actually kneel down like this and look at the stars. Now, this, is, this would all be good. It's like, oh, that sounds pretty neat. But this guy actually patented this. So he got, a, he got a UK patent said, this thing works. Not only can I show you it works, I can prove it works. And he actually patented for himself. And in the patent, he even said to the patent office, he's like, well, this is certainly not my invention. I didn't make this up, in other words. Same thing when I talk about this thing here, right? This thing here. So you've got this. You know, or everything that I'm talking about in this book here. You know, it's it's like it's really got nothing to do with me. I didn't invent this stuff. I didn't think of that. I didn't create that. I didn't make this up. No, this was known. So was this. This tool to map and track the ascension declination of stars was clearly known. All he had to do was like, huh, look at that. I can make a tool out of that. So, in other words, when we when he when we say this is the point I'm getting to. When we say God speaks to you through nature, through insights, through these little revelations, and that you can actually take these revelations and find scientific, verifiable, repeatable information like this or like this, this is what we mean by Gnosticism. Having direct insight and taking that insight and actually presenting it to people to say, hey, this is undeniable. I could create a patent on this. So, this is what I really want to get into your head about what we're really celebrating here when we talk about Christmas and things like that. There's an intelligence within this creation. It reverberates through all things, and a lot of times it's begging humanity to, to align with it and understand it. This So, uh, so there's Crichton Miller literally creating, just from the cross, the Celtic cross, a tool of measurement. So... Uh, pretty interesting. The cross, by the way, we all know that the cross has this sort of fulcrum, right? Which is longer here, right? And then shorter here. And then we've got the two. So we already know, hey, this is obviously a reference to the solstices and equinoxes here. Well, this is the analemma, And of course, we have this longer bar here and the shorter here, that sort of thing. This is the analema, of course. Now, you guys know what the analema is, right? So if you go outside right now, this once again, how is God speaking to us right now? Is he coming down and whispering in our ears some Latin? <laughs> no, no, God is speaking to us what through symbols in the sky, crosses and now a big infinity symbol eight. So if you go out every single day and map the where the sun is right at like noon and you take a picture every single day, this is what it's going to look like in this in the sky, the analemma. Now look at the cross. What is one of the things we know that Jesus? Since we're talking about the winter solstice and the death and resurrection of the sun and solstices and equinoxes, we already know that that cross, when we talk about our cosmology, is referring to what? The solstices and equinoxes. And one part of it's longer than the other, correct? So all of these things, everything from... Ooh, look at this, an ancient tool of measurement in order to literally navigate the st- sky. Think about how people, they didn't have GPS back in the day. There wasn't Google. How did they do? They looked at the sky, mapped and tracked it and followed it. This guy, <laughs> by, by communing with nature itself, b- communing with God, literally creates a scientific instrument from the cross. And here we have the exact same thing. Is it code? Cold? it's cold outside no so the sun go ahead listen the sun is the supreme symbol of the mysteries as we know so jesus as the son of god and here we have it's of course winter the winter solstice uh, right after the winter solstice and we're celebrating christmas and of course so what are we doing we're following the sun in order to dictate this time in the year what is naturally happening outside the days are starting to get longer now of course and we'll see why this is related to Christ in just a second. What is the sun? Why is the sun so important? It is the supreme symbol of the mysteries. It is the supreme symbol of the mysteries. It This one symbol itself is really represents your entire spiritual process. Because what is this one symbol doing? Or What is the sun doing? Well, it's giving us the cross in the sky. It's giving us the cross. So the sun through its own natural intelligence, is telling us about the cross. It's the thing that's dictating this naturally, naturally. So why is the sun the supreme symbol of the mysteries? Well, as we know, it determines day and night. We wouldn't even know what day it is if it wasn't for the sun. It's literally the thing that it goes away, we see the stars. It comes back, we see day. It's the chronicler of time. It gives us light, warmth, life light is of course light itself is symbolic of wisdom divinity the circle is symbolic of what totality cycles the cycle of the sun itself the daily cycle the cycle that we're in right now the yearly cycle does it until inte- what does it tell you about natural intelligent design it also tells us about what death and rebirth sun rises goes down oh it's dead comes back around doesn't it and it does it every day and it does it every single year the sun naturally, the sun is speaking to you. Did you know that? You just have to have the ears to hear and the eyes to see. If you were expecting the some angel to come popping on your shoulder and then be like, oh, this is what you need to do. That's not how God speaks to people. That's not how, and all of these people, and you know it too. You guys know this. You've heard this stuff your entire life, right? Where people be like, oh, I prayed and God told me to do this thing and he spoke to me in English and I could have written it down. And then, you know, the, 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 a lot of these people just literally just making this stuff up full of crap. That's not how you speak to God. That's not how God communicates to you. God communicates to you exactly how we're saying. This sun tells you, like literally gives you the intelligence of God himself through its natural movements. What does it tell you about? It tells you about the cross. It tells you about the analima. It tells you about dictates day and night. It's the chronicler of time. It gives light, light, warmth wisdom, divinity, the circle is the totality, natural, intelligent design through its cycles, death and rebirth, it's the gateway to the mysteries. This is all brought to you by the sun, the son of God. So, thank you, verbal swordsman. Thank you. Um. So, Let's watch this a second. We've got time for this, right? This is about a three-minute clip, and this is from Manly Palmer Hall talking about the sun. Now, as soon as we say this, we're like, hey, this is all focused on the sun. Immediately, what you'll get is, ah, you're a sun worshiper. You're worshiping the creation and not the creator, that sort of thing. No, not at all. This is one of the things that's missed when we talk about animism, and we I think we spoke about this the last last few Sundays about how you'll look at these ancient, like, whatever, savage or primitive tribes and things like that, and they're like, they worshipped crocodiles and birds and the sun and stuff. No. And, it's, and and if you actually get into the esoteric or the mysticism of these ancient tribes, it's clear they didn't. No. What were they doing? They were recognizing that that thing, whether it was a bird or a tree or the sun, was symbolic of something greater. Naturally a natural intelligence within the creation itself that these people with their own Gnostic experience with the creation itself extracted this higher wisdom and saw it for exactly what it is. Nobody's worshiping the sun. Nobody here is worshiping the sun. Nobody's worshiping a tree. Nobody's being like, this creation is everything. I just want to stay here for Nobody's doing that. So what were they actually worshiping? Let's watch this for a second. To
2: get a further picture of this we must now move to the story of the sun. I think we all know that it is reported that our very remote forebears were sun worshippers. We know that the Pythagoreans rose at dawn each day to meet with hymn and song, the rising of the splendor of the day. We know also that the Hindus worshipped the sun god under the name of Surya and uh, honored it, riding in its chariot across the sky. We know that the sun in China was the symbol of imperial heaven. And always the sun, as the great symbol of light, was held with extraordinary veneration. We also know that this experience of the sun was closely related to the agrarian cult. Or the belief uh, that uh, religion was an experience of growth in nature. The farmer recognized his indebtedness to the sun. By degrees men came to realize that only by the sun's power uh, would the grain grow. Only by the power of the sun would light be given so that man could go out and labor. That if he was too long separated from the sun, man himself lost much of his vitality and power, and by degrees the sun became a God symbol. The all-seeing eye of the ancients, the eye of Horus in Egypt, is actually a symbol of the sun, as is the pupil of the human eye. The sun was regarded as the eye of God, and it is said in the Bible that God made his tabernacle in the sun all this sun worship was not merely a physical acceptance of the sun as a god I've talked to a number of followers of very primitive faiths known to be sun worshipers and I've asked them if they actually worship the sun they said no we worship or accept the sun as a symbol of a principle in the universe It is not the visible sun, but light, the sense of consciousness, that light makes all things clear and plain and open. And we remember the Pythagorean definition of God as a being whose body is composed of the substance of light and whose spirit is composed of the substance of truth. Thus the sun was the symbol of the light of the world. The light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. The sun in its daily rising was the symbol of renewed hope. It was the promise of another day of opportunity, of labor, of fulfillment. The sun then has always played this vital part. And we have had sun gods. Every religion has had them. They have always been wonderful, radiant beings. And nearly always, they were the direct offspring of deity. They were the highest of the gods. And the tragedies that came to the sun gods were the tragedies that most affected mortals.
1: We asked him if they worship the sun. We said, no! We don't worship the sun. We worship what the sun is symbolic of. We're seeing that light as the light of the world. We're seeing that light as the light of the, in the wisdom of God itself. And so here we have this, this notion that we have Jesus, the Son of God, whose grandfather was named Heli, Heli, which is the root word of the word Helio, which means son. Heliocentrism, Helio, the son. Grand, his grandfather, his grandfather's, grandpa's name was Heli. So here we have a direct reference in the story, the character, everything that, to the sun. But if we say, and and then of course sun gods, and we'll cover this in just a second, sun gods across the world, Surya and Horus and Addis and all this other stuff. And we say we have all of these sun gods connected to the sun, but if we say it through this thing, then it's sun worship, right? If we say Jesus Christ in one symbolic manifestation is absolutely representative of the sun, most modern literalist Christians across the board will start flipping out. Now, the problem is, is that this thing right here, look at the Celtic cross right on the cover, this thing right here is actually trying to get you to understand that universal intelligence. And this is the the separation that has happened over the millennia or whatever through Christianity. Why are we celebrating Jesus's birthday today? Well, we'll cover that. So we know that Jesus died for three days and then was resurrected after those three days, right? And we also know that, um, and, you know, you could go out right now, look to the east, and you would see that, hey, there's the three kings of Orion, uh, Orion's belt, and they're pointing to Sirius, which is pointing to where the sun rises, right? So we we basically know this whole story, like, ah, three wise men came from the east because they saw a star, and they went to the sun to be like, hey, we're going to celebrate the, you know, the, the birth of this guy. Now, we also see this uh, notion that uh, right now the sun is dead for three days and rises again. And so we have this connection between Easter and Christmas for some reason. And we're going to cover that today. Wait, I thought Jesus died on the cross and that was like in April or something. And then he was dead for three days. Why are we relating this to winter? We'll get into that. The story of Jesus, this comes from the, the new book, Scripture and the Stars. Shameless plug. The story of Jesus dying on the cross cross is correlated to the death of the sun on the winter solstice. And yet the religious observance of the resurrection of Jesus is celebrated in Easter in the spring. Now, Easter is a movable feast. Easter is a movable feast. Why? Why? Jesus died on a cross. There was a day that he died specifically, right? According to literalist historical Christians. And then three days after that, he rose again. Okay, so let me ask you, for instance, when we look at Diane here, bless her, is there any question about to her family when she died? No. No, they know that she, they remember the day that she passed away is 10 days before Christmas. It's obviously going to be a very heart-wrenching Christmas for this family. In no way, shape or form are they ever going to forget when she died. Do you think Henrik and Lana are going to remember when their baby was born? Are they going to celebrate that child's birthday every year to, to, to literally you know dictate this, this is when she was born? This child, this wonderful baby girl, was born. Do you think Kai and Austin are going to remember when their baby was born? If w- one of their parents were to pass, do are you think they're going to remember the day that that parent passed? Of course they would. Anybody that you know are going to remember, you know, your your birthday, the day your parents' death, that sort of thing. But for some reason, the Lord and Savior was here in the flesh. And we celebrate the day that he died and was re- and resurrected and it's a movable feast. It changes dates. Do you change the date when you celebrate your birthday? Do you change the date that you go to, you know, if like you go to the, uh, the cemetery or whatever and you go to the gravestone and it's like literally etched on stone. This person died August 1st. Do you ch- do, is there a movable feast? No. Why is Jesus and his death a movable feast? What is it based on? It's based on what? i mean, I got to find my graphic. Good luck to me. Um, it's What is it based on? It's based on the following, the, this first Sunday following the full moon, after the spring equinox. We're celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a literal man that these people believe showed up in history, and his death is, we'll move it over here. His death, and when we when we recognize it, celebrate that death and resurrection, is based on what? They literally tell you the patterns of the stars. Does it make any sense to you why we would celebrate somebody's death and be like, well, we're just going to move it to this next Wednesday? Why? Why is Easter a movable feast? Because this entire thing is based on that stuff. Easter and Christmas... We're going we're gonna to relate these two, and we see that. We say, well, but Jesus was born right now, right, in Christmas, right? But we have those three days where the sun is dead, and that refers to Easter. So why are we relating Easter and Christmas? Marty, what are you doing here, you fool? Okay, Christmas, we see the sun, the S-O-N. The S-O-N is born. That's what's happening today. And we see, and we know that, right? We were celebrating his birth birthday today. We know that the sun, the days are going to start getting longer right now, which means that that date has been dictated in the heavens. We'll get into that. So we see on Christmas the sun, Jesus Christ is born. What's happening? That's the SON. What's happening to the SUN? Well, the sun is dying. It's getting darker and darker and darker. The days are shorter and shorter and shorter. Ah, the sun is dying. Like literally the other day, the sun was like just barely over the horizon because it's like quote unquote dead. You can literally see it over there. It was like two o'clock or whatever, right? The sun is dying and resurrecting. That's what's happening on Christmas. So the S-O-N is being born, Jesus' birthday. The S-U-N is dying and resurrecting. Let's go to Easter now. What's happening on Easter? The S-O-N, what's happening to our Jesus, the sun? He's dying and being reborn. And what's happening to the S-U-N? What's happening in March, April, the equinox, the the spring equinox, what's happening? The birth of the year. God bless, Jacob Law. I'm sorry, you hear that. So here we have the S-O-N and the S-U-N being related. And the S-O-N and the S-U-N being related. This S-O-N, oh, Jesus is born today. What's happening to the S-U-N? This dying and being and, and resurrecting in Easter. What's happening to the S O N? Jesus, he's dying and then resurrecting on the cross, which is right. What equinox? What's happening to the S U N? It's being born. It's a new year. It's a, it's literally the birth of the year happens in spring. So this. So why are we relating these two? We see the death of the S U N and the birth of the S O N in winter on Christmas, and the death and rebirth of the S O N and the birth of the S U N recognized in spring on Easter. What is being unveiled here is the underlying spiritual message behind this entire thing. Relating these two moments unveils the entire spiritual message. That spiritual message exists behind the natural cycle of life on earth, and that is this. Death and birth are linked. Death and rebirth are linked. From the death of Christ came his rebirth. The two may not be separated. And just as we witness in our seasonal year, the death of the sun in winter is linked directly to the process which brings forth new life in spring. There's no separation. They're one grand cycle. Death and rebirth are part of one grand cycle. Resurrection from death is the fundamental spiritual directive given to man on earth because this directive is etched into the pattern of the cycle of life itself. The seasonal year literally tells you to do this. It does it across the board With all life down here, what happens to those bears? They go into hibernating. And then what happens in the spring? They come out. And what happens to the trees? All the leaves fall and everything's dead and hardly any life. We barely see any deer, you know, bunnies running around. And then what happens in the spring? Everything comes alive. The spiders and the freaking snakes and the ticks and the deer and the freaking everything comes up, the grouse and the turkey. That's what's naturally going on. Resurrection. From death is the fundamental spiritual directive given to man on earth because this directive is etched into the pattern of the cycle of life itself. This cycle is understood simply and elegantly by what? One symbol, the cross. Of course, we know the cross all over the world. We don't need to go into that again. The cross tells us the story about the path of the sun and the process of death and rebirth on earth. What dies at spring? The winter. The, every every time there's a new season what's dying every t- just you know, the whole process is literally death and rebirth transformation and renewal is the whole cycle jesus himself tells us that he is the beginning and the end this comes straight from this guy right here right i am the beginning and the end beginning and the ending the first and the last that's what jesus says so i think about it this way I'm the spring and the winter. I'm the death and the rebirth. I'm the beginning and the end. The very mark on a circle, which the sun tells us about, the very mark when you start that start. What is that? That's the end of here, but then it's the start of the circle. But it's the end of that other circle where we where we swooped around in the compass. But what is that point? It's the start, but it's the end. Oh wait, that's right. We don't have to worry about any of that because Jesus is the entirety. He embodies both the ending and the beginning. Every turn of the great wheel in the sky speaks to an eternal message of transformation and renewal. It's literally the message that nature, that God has crafted within nature and expresses it everywhere. By simply examining nature, we may find a spiritual lesson plan innate within life itself, and that is to die and be reborn. Now, my parents were out they were traveling around Iowa and stuff like that. And they went to this um, this place that was like some old native mounds, which there's everywhere. There's native mounds are all over Wisconsin and Iowa and Illinois. And you go out east and there's literally um, remnants or, of this ancient culture are everywhere, right? Well, when you start to examine these, as I have, as Squire and Davis have, there's been a bunch of people that have actually went out and looked at these things. And one of the things you'll naturally come to is what were they doing? What were these mounds doing? They were taking upstairs and they were bringing it downstairs. They were saying, "As above, so below." They were literally mapping the star patterns that God has commanded in the in the firmament, in the canopy, and mirroring them on the ground. They are literally taking the wisdom of the of the great God and bringing it down into mounds. Right. So you see these mounds everywhere. We've covered them. I did a documentary on them. You can see. Oh, well, this is mapping the sun. The Frank's Hill, I don't know if you guys have watched that. Frank's Hill its a documentary I did, about 25-minute documentary. And there's no question about it. The mounds are on these, you know, these huge mounds are on, you know, basically a, a celestial observatory is really what they are because they're higher than all the other, you know, the, the highest place in the area. And they have a marker of the sun where it, in, you know, where it starts in spring and that sort of thing. So they're doing this, you know, these, these cultures around the world were following the sun. This is what... They took a picture of some of the graphics, and they showed all the celestial alignments and stuff like that to these mounds. But this is what this old native trope says. It says, The bear is like the earth. Each year it dies and is reborn. It's just like... It's, it's, you know... It... <sighs> it's just, it's so sad to me. To me, it's really sad. And I hope that we, uh, you know, this this next year, we'll, we'll try to, you know, at least with this church, do our best to try to fix some of this in this world. But to me, it's really sad that we've separated ourselves so much, or a lot of Christians, a lot of people of the faith, of all sorts of faiths, of all sorts of religions, have separated themselves from the natural living essence of God and have decided to bury their head in a stupid book. Now, I'm a... Preacher, I'm a minister. I sell we sell copies of a Bible. I'm not saying this is a stupid book, but when you get stuck in this thing and forget about this thing, you've lost the you've lost the script. You've lost the script. You're stuck in a bunch of script, a bunch of writing. God's written his story all around within everything, in trees, in the sun, in the cycle of life itself. That's what this baby's all about. It's a new age people a new age it's time to start that new age don't you think um so here the the natives those crazy savages they understood death and resurrection why because they just understood nature they didn't need a book in order to tell them about the death and resurrection of the sun the sun tells us this message every day rising setting rising the next morning death and rebirth and it tells it again every year when it travels the circle round from the death of winter back to the life in spring. And as we will find, this message of the Son of God is written in Scripture as well. Why is it written in here? Why were they telling this story? Why did, they have to, why did they write this down? Because this story is trying to tell you about this story. This story is, once again, as I always say, is literally trying to get you to lift your eyes out of this and see the living expression of God. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say, Except thee, a man be born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. What about all the people before the Bible? Could they be born again? Do you think those natives, were they born again? The stories in the Holy Bible are patterned after the patterns of light in heaven. With the sun being one of the heavens most supreme symbols because they are intended to be timeless stories relaying a timeless message about the death and resurrection of man's own soul are you taking the zoo out the traditional dogmas of the church have come down to us through the centuries are gross this comes from william kingsland the gnosis or ancient wisdom in the, the christian scriptures listen to this the traditional dogmas of the church which are perpetuated today my tradition the the, the gnostic tradition the, the the freemasonic tradition Ooh, did he say it yes he did the freemasonic tradition the gnostic tradition the mystical tradition the esoteric tradition the rosicrucian tradition right they have been bitching about this for a millennia. They're being like, these people do not know what they're talking about. They're taking, uh, you know, basically these spiritual texts and these spiritual stuff, you know, stories, and they're literalizing it and destroying the true meaning of it. It's exactly what's happening today, ladies and gentlemen. It's exactly what's happening today. Nothing of what you're going to hear today in this church will be touted by any of those other churches right uh, around the world that's getting paid thousands of dollars by people just shoveling money into the basket. And they're not going to tell you any of this stuff because they don't know. They've lost that connection and they sever it with their own beliefs. So William Kingsland was saying, the traditional dogmas of the church which have come down to us through the centuries are gross materializations of the real teachings as to the spiritual nature of man as contained in the Gnosis. My Lord. (laughs) These dogmas that are perpetuated today are the result of the literal historizing of narratives. In some cases, however, having a semi-historical basis, which were originally intended as allegories covering deep spiritual truths. These stories were intended to be allegories covering deep spiritual truths, and we've forgotten the spiritual truths, we've forgotten the allegories, we've literalized the whole thing, and now we're all lost. So much so that we can't even look Modern Christians can't look today and be like, why are we celebrating Christmas on this day? And just look up and be like, oh, and we'll cover that today. I know why. Let's take a moment to specifically address the question that is normally brought up. Oh, speaking of baskets, that's right. Speaking of baskets, before we go on, we have a new commercial for everybody. So this is our new... <laughs> so This is, this is our... <clears throat> We have a new donation commercial for everybody. So if you'd like to sponsor, you'd like to help uh, promote the church and keep this going, uh, your donations is what keeps this whole thing running. I will keep this going as long as I'm afforded to do it, and as soon as I'm not, I'm out. It's a, it's that simple. This will be valued, or it won't be, and it's that simple. So um, we have a new commercial, and it's for um, it's for our donations. So this is this is the time to we're gonna bring out the uh, the collection plate. So everybody enjoy our new commercial. Hi, I'm Marty Leeds. Will you be an angel for a helpless animal? Did you know that right now, you can help rescue a scared, shaking, blind, and disabled dog? Every day, dogs like blind Willie McShakes go neglected. For less than 50 cents a day you can help rescue Blind Willie from the bitter cold of the North. If you don't want to be a heartless monster, get out your checkbooks now and secure your salvation. Consider setting up a small monthly donation right now at GnosticAcademy.org and do not let another blind dog Starve and shiver on the cold. Do the right thing. Give us your money. Gnosticacademy.org. Okay. So, baby, we've hit rock bottom. It's, it's, there's no. We're we're using our dog to extricate money from these people. No, we're just kids. these are just jokes, people. We just wanted to have some fun. A blind Willie is totally fine. He got a good plate of meat this morning. He's not going cold or anything like that. So, but if you would like to support the academy, you can uh, sign up at GnosticAcademy.org dot org, uh, or you can go to BuyMeACoffee.com dot uh, com forward slash Gnostic Academy, and you can support the um, the, the service. So, and and you can you know, make sure that another, uh, you know, blind Willie doesn't go for another winter cold and shivering and all this other stuff. And uh, I just want to say too, uh, somebody said this, uh, Paul A. Gonzalez is saying this individual is trying to gain revenue and ratings. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to like, we really want a nicer outhouse is really what we're, because we're so, we're so materialistic that we um, we don't have running water or hot water and we shit in an outhouse. But obviously I'm doing this because I'm money, 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 money. I want the new Rolls Royce of shitters is really what I want. Is so. <laughs> Just so you know, Paul A., that stuff does not fly around here at all. You're out. So, um, no, I'm not doing this for revenue. I'm not doing this for ratings. I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this because I care. And because God has given me a directive. So... You, uh, you're going to respect that and recognize that. Oh, you out. Don't let the door of this church hit you in the ass on the way out. So, okay. So, well, so just so you know, Blind Willie's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think so. Uh, all right. <clears throat> so, where am I here? Um, let's take a moment to specifically address the question that is normally brought up when relating Jesus to the Son. And that's saying, wait a second, Marty, does this mean that you were saying that there was no historical Jesus? To answer this query succinctly and directly, since this is asked all the time, no, of course not. Just like with the tale of Noah and the flood, we cannot and should not dismiss the notion that some of the tales of the Bible reflect those of real world historical events, such as those of a worldwide flood. There are hundreds of tales and myths from varying cultures around the world that have recorded a flood story into their mythologies and their creation stories. And so it's more than reasonable and supremely rational to assume such an occurrence did take place. Many of the most classic works of literature have been written in this fashion, taking real world events and personages and dramatizing them to capture a moral or allegory or lesson. Okay. And so... You know this is this is how great works of literature have you know basically always been done, taking sort of a real world scenario scenario and and mythologizing it, dramatizing and that sort of thing. We also have to ask: it's like, well, a lot of people say, well, this story, this is the right one. It was Noah. He had Shem and Ham, and it was like built a boat. And it was six hundred years old and drunk and shit. So people think that this story is the only one. But what about all those other myths about from all those other cultures that talked about a flood? Right? And then dramatized it and mythologized it in its own you know, unique way. What about those cultures? They were all full of shit, but this was right. Or, or there's a better explanation. Or the better explanation is to actually say, oh, no, they were recording you know, something that might have happened in reality, but then what did they do? They canonized it into mythology. And then you see this what? Culture after culture after culture after culture. You got a trinity, and you got a trinity and you got a trinity and you got a Tr- and then you got a sun god and you got a sun god and you got a sun god and you- and then you have a flood and you have a flood and you have a flood and you have a flood, but this is the only right one. See the problem? This is trying to tell you about universalities. And they take the universality away from it and say my my mine, and then compl- and then it can't understand any of it. And that's clear. You guys know that. It's clear. These people don't understand anything that's going on in here. That's why they won't talk to me. <clears throat> um, Stella, thank you so much. Ben and I send this portion of $1 million to Blind Willie and his humans. Thank you so much. That'll be a monthly donation. Mellow Dome, t- 10, thank you. T-Roof Sika, thank you so much. Uh, it's already true. Mary, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, the commercial's hilarious. Come on. Come on. Okay. So, um, it is the contention put forth here that the stories recorded of Jesus in the New Testament are most likely a product of euhemerism, which I have to thank Chase over at Interforce Podcast. Thank you, my brother, because I didn't know these the couple words here that I'm using, so I appreciate that. Euhemerism, which is the notion that real historical personages and events have been exaggerated in their retelling, as well as catarasterism, which is the process of transforming a hero or a mythological figure into a star. So this is this idea, euhemerism is basically taking the notion of there was a real person, and then they took this story of this sort of hero figure that lived a great life and that sort of thing, and then dramatized it, poeticized it, mythologized it, right? Just as we may assume the historical events of a worldwide flood, and we should, there's actually lots of, there's lots of, uh, I want to say evidence, I want to say proof, but... Um, just as we may assume the historical events of a worldwide flood, and Noah is the mythologized tale of those who withstood such an event, is the mythologized tale. They needed a hero. They brought in a Noah. And it's the mythologized tale of something that's recorded literally around the world. Told through the hero figure of Noah, we most assuredly see much the same happening with Christ and his 12 disciples, the 12 disciples of the Zodiac. Same sort of thing happening. We can easily imagine that many of the events happening in the Bible were based on aspects of live history, retold, dramatized, and blueprinted on the heavenly patterns of light that God has carved into the firmament. They took these stories, right? Sometimes they were universal stories or whatever, but that might have had real, some real-world attachment to it, like oh, there was a flood. There were people that withstood that flood. And then they took these things and dramatized it. And I'll clarify that at the end here. As we have come to know history... We have come to know history, his story that is, not the linear objective record of history that a bunch of, you know, scam artists and liars have written down. The actual history, his story, as we have come to know his story from our holy literature, his story meaning Jesus' story. We know Jesus' story from this book and therefore we know his death and resurrection to be literally true, literally true. This is literature. And so when we say something is literal, we're saying it comes from literature. And that's where we have this. As history is in the past and we cannot revisit it or ever say for certain, we simply cannot secure that knowledge of whether any of these people lived. But we must assuredly acknowledge that the stories captured in the good book about the Lord and Savior just did not appear out of nowhere. Once again, this is why we have all of these sun gods. These, these Where did this stuff come from? Was there actual a guy named Horus with a falcon-headed god? Was there actually a dude named Adonis or Tammuz? Maybe there was a you know some sort of um, once again, christed figure, a hero figure, somebody that lived this like perfect life that led people that you know taught people that sort of thing, an enlightened figure that came down. And then what happens with these? Just the same thing that happens literally around the world. Was there a guy named Kukulkan or Was there a Mithras? Was there a Horus? Was there a Jesus? Well, maybe, but ultimately, is this an historical record of that, of his life? No, not even close. Is the, is the stories of the what you find in the Egyptian Book of the Dead of Horus are those literal historical? No. the The sun god motif is something that's found around the world. Why? Because there is a natural spirituality within the within that God has given us that exists within all things and enlightened people people that actually wanted to know God and actually have a direct communication and direct experience with God went in and found that stuff they they dedicated their entire lives to seeking that that uh, connection that that um, commune out the communion so, um, there's a whole book on basically all of these cultures. This was in 1890 or something like that. Basically showing that, um, you know, the, the sun god myth is found around the world. So, were all of them wrong except this one Jesus dude? Or, did the mod- have the modern Christians lost connection with what this stuff is really all about? I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to go with, I wrote a whole book to prove what I just said was true. I wrote a whole book to prove what I just said was true. <clears throat> so, let's keep going. The universality of man's experience across time is the binding thread that allows stories crafted into myth to remain timeless. So think about some of the most classic works of literature, right? If, if anybody here that's been, you know, big literary hound over the years or have read some, you know, great works of nonfiction, oh, what do we got here? perspective 96 in honor of the sun on this Sunday, in the Sunday uh, and the for the sun square and for Mcshakes thank you so much Perspective 96. rocks G 1399 thank you so much I appreciate that. Canna bear ten dollars thank you so much appreciate that. okay think about all the, the great works of literature around the world think about them what's what's one of the consistent themes you'll find? The universality of man's experience across time is the binding thread that allows stories crafted into myth to remain timeless. The reason that we're connected to these things, even if we don't, even if, like, even subconsciously, even if we don't even know what the story really means, there's something else that's going on within these stories that allows us to connect to them. And what that other thing is, that something is, is the timelessness of the parables and the allegories and the lessons and the morals that are behind these stories. Not only that, the science when you're mapping and tracking the sun in a 365-day cycle and calculating that down to, you know, mathematical precision, what are you doing? Verifiability and repeatability of science. Some of the most classic works of literature, from John Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath to Edward Abbey's The Monkey Wrench Gang, have all included fictionalized and exaggerated characters and situations that the author lifted from real-world events. Let me say that again. These great, a lot of the great works of literature have all included fictionalized and exaggerated characters and situations that the authors lifted from real world history. Let's take the Grapes of Wrath, for instance. John Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath. Was there, back in the day, was there dust storms? Yes. Was there a bunch of people moving to California for, uh, for the gold rush? Yes. Was there a bunch of uh, um, uh, banks that were foreclosing on farms because of, the, because of the dust storms? Because they couldn't, you know, th- yes. Did the bunch of people have issues going out from Oklahoma or the Midwest or whatever to California? Did they, some of them die and have hardships along the way? Yes. Does that mean that all of the story, Tom Joad and his family in the Grapes of Wrath, is that true? No. No. It's completely fictional. But what did John Steinbeck do? He took real world events, real world people. And what did he do? He dramatized it, fictionalized it. This is what authors do. This is what writing is all about. The Monkey Wrench Gang, Edward Abbey, no different. Edward Abbey based a seldom seen Smith, George Washington Hayduke. He based these people, characters, fictionalized characters in a book on real world people. And exaggerated them and fictionalized them. This is what great works of literature do. Now there's a separation between all those other great works of literature and this thing. Because this thing must be history, it must be mine, it must be this Jesus guy, he came then. We, we lost it. We've lost the connection to this literature. Across the spectrum of the history of literature, real world situations and people have been fictionalized, mythologized, poetized, hyper um, hyperbolized, anthropomorphized. And the great epics that withstand the test of time do so because the morals and lessons that are included within them are timeless and relatable who is um who is under the sun who uh when we look at all the people in the world we are all subject to what the patterns of the heavens the son of god everybody doesn't matter if you believe in this don't believe in this read this shit don't doesn't matter you are subjected to god's design his purpose, his will, and what he wants of you. And he doesn't care if you read this or not. He wants you to read his story. This is trying to tell you about it. And this is what's been lost. Lost. The myths and grandiose tales within the Bible must be assumed to be based loosely on lived events in history. But with that allowed, it must be said that proving the historicity, and this is a, this is a fact, proving the historicity of anything in here is an impossibility. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll know that. This and it can't be debated. Let me say this again. With that allowed, it must be said that proving the historicity of the Bible is an impossibility. And this cannot be debated by any reasonable and honest man. If you're honest and reasonable with yourself, you'll you'll come to that conclusion. This is but but just so you know, this is no concern to us Gnostics. No concern whatsoever. Was he real? Did he die? When when was he born? Were these was this history? We don't care. It is zero concern to a Gnostic. Why? Because the Gnostic realizes that these tales do happen in history. These tales do happen in history. Our own lived history. Our history, these tales are happening in. As the drama of the Holy Bible is happening right now above our heads, Jesus is being born today, guys. Celebrate. Jesus is being born today. Today. Not 2,000 years ago. The tale of Jesus' death and rebirth, and thus our own story of death and rebirth is etched into the heavens no matter which way you look. What do I mean? That story of our own death and rebirth is etched into the heavens. What do we mean? Well, we know what we're talking about here. It's the winter solstice. The sun dies, goes down and down and down and down and down. Next thing you know, for three days, it's dead. And then all of a sudden we start getting more light okay, this is happening what? On the cross, solstices, equinox, the sun, our son of God is naturally creating that cross in the sky. Okay, now we also know, we talked about this, there's a big cross in the north named Cygnus. Talk about a good bird. he's a big bird, he's a good bird. And he's a good bird. So a Cygnus is a big northern cross and you can go out on a clear night and you'll see it. It's very, very, you know, uh, vibrant, bright, brilliant constellation, very noticeable. So here we have Cygnus, that's the northern cross. So we look to the north, and we have that. And then, of course, we look to the south, and we have a southern cross. So in the north, we look to the north. Oh, this way, I'm like, oh, I can look to the north. I actually look up this, but you'd see Cygnus right here. Now, if I wanted to look to the south, you know what I would find? I would find the southern Cross, the southern cross. Look to the north, we find a cross. Look to the south, we find a cross. There's the uh, Celtic wheel right there, the Celtic cross. You can see what, you know, clear as day. The turn of the wheel of the year, turning what? One grand cycle, constantly, constantly death and rebirth death and rebirth transformation and renewal oh we're going to go put the detritus on that tree all that dead matter that we ate and spit out and put in a little collection plate over there and then put over there and we put it on the tree and all that dead matter makes the tree grow death and rebirth transformation and renewal constantly that's all it's doing the entire cycle what what god commands so we look to the north we find what happens we find the northern cross as it's literally the cross, which is on the horizon, you can see up the top picture there, the cross that's on the horizon, oh, that cross is now dying and being reborn. It was in the ground, like, you know, like six feet under, if you will. That's what you do to dead people, you put them in the ground. And then this cross, as the sky turns, as the great wheel in the sky turns, the cross rises from the dead. Naturally. That's not a a Sioux cross. That's not an Ogallala cross. That's not the Blackfeet cross. That's not a Hindu cross. That's not the Mayan cross. Nope, it's not the Christian cross either. And it's not the Egyptian Ankh. Whose cross is it? Who does it belong to? Who put it there? (laughs) So we look to the north. We've got a northern cross dying and being reborn. We look to the south. What do we find? We found the southern cross. What's that thing doing? Dying and being reborn. As this, when you look to the north, it goes counterclockwise. So that, that cross is lifting from the ground. You look to the south, what's it doing? Going the other way, which is what's happening to this cross. Literally coming from the ground. Now, this is happening all right now on, on Christmas, right around Christmas, right? Winter solstice, that sort of thing. So we look to the north, we find a cross. We look to the south, we find a cross. And what are those crosses doing? They're dying, quote unquote, metaphysically, poetically dying and being reborn. And when is all of this happening? On the cross. On the cross. Do you see how completely disconnected the people, the believers of this are to what, <laughs> what the true story, what the true meaning of this stuff is? The true meaning of Christmas. Look to the north. We got a cross dying and being reborn. Look to the south. We got a cross. It's dying and being reborn. It's happening on the solstices and equinoxes, which is a cross. And what is the sun doing? It's dying and being reborn. A cross, a cross, a cross. So where do they get this story? Was there a man named you know that we've given the name Jesus Christ in English who maybe was Yeshua or Yashua or some shit back in the day and he walked the land and he did all the, okay that's fine but what what are they actually trying to get you to understand with this story what is the true meaning of Christ what is the true meaning of Christmas is it to t- is it to abandon your critical thinking skills and have blind faith into a, what a bunch of men have told you or are you as a Gnostic, going to go right to the source. Going to go right to the source, right? Because the middle of this book tells you that. Psalms 118.8, it is better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. This, following Jesus on the cross and seeing him die and be reborn right in your sky is following the Lord. Believing what these people have told you what this stuff means is following men. Which one are you going to do? Which one do you have faith in? Which one is verifiable and repeatable? Which one is available to all people? Which explanation and interpretation actually makes sense? Now, we see these crosses in the sky. we got the winter, you know, the, the cross, the winter solstice, the equinoxes. we got the northern cross and the southern cross. Then we go around the world, as we did, and we say, um, where did where did all of these people? Where did this come from? The modern Christian, in desperation, needs to make this literal and historical, and every word has to be historically true. When you release yourself from that and take the Gnostic perspective, this thing right here and this thing right here connects you to this, your actual lived experience. Woo, that's fun. And every culture that recognized the exact same sacred design. Every single one. This is what Christmas should be all about. So there's your crosses. Solstices and equinoxes. Look north, look south, and guess what? You got a cross, dying and being reborn. You got a son dying and be reborn. Why did God put those things in the sky? (laughs) Just like as a Kabbalist, right? Just as like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to make sure I can get back here. I'm just ranting away. All right. Why did God put those crosses in the sky? When he dictated, when the great creator dictated how this thing was going to work, what it was going to look like, what lights were going to be where, right? He put a cross in the north and a cross in the south, and then we made literally the pattern in which we experience a year based on the cross. Why'd he do this? Well, in case one day we may forget what we're doing down here. In case one day we're going around and we're lost in this world and we don't, we can't figure it out and we can't figure this thing out and nothing makes sense God put these things in our sky in our world so that we would never lose them in case one day we may forget what we're doing down here our spiritual souls directive to take up our cross and die and be reborn just in case we forget that God has outlined that spiritual directive within the cycles of the sun and the lights within his holy firmament Where do we get the story of the death and resurrection and the cross and all this? And the three days, where where does it come from? Do you have to trust anyone in order to understand that? Do you have to put your faith in Marty Leeds? Do you have to go to the Catholic church and be like, Hey, if you you guys could just stop diddling children for a second. And I just want to know, but you don't have to go to any of those. Nothing. God does not. God did not make this creation. So you need an intermediary between him and you. It's not how it works. The Gnostic perspective takes that and says, get gone, get out of here. We don't want anything about, no, 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 no. Hence why I started the church. So you guys would not follow me. <laughs> just listen what it saying. Like, that makes sense. And I'll just take up the, you know, take up the reins from here. So in case one day we may forget what we're doing down here, God put our spiritual directive, literally crafted it into our cosmology. How we experience time. So, when was Jesus born? Now, people argue about this, right? Like, I remember, may he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. Um, Rob Skiba, I remember Rob Skiba made this whole argumentation. And I remember listening to this. I'm like, Rob, what are, what in the, brother, I love you so much. And may he rest in peace. But what in the hell are you talking about, brother? I remember he was going on and on about, and I've heard this endlessly, endlessly by Christians. It's like, well, no, Jesus was actually born on September 11th, 3 AD, and that was the actual date and blah, 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 blah. Right? And so people will argue this to this day. Now we know for a fact, right? If Once again, if you're honest with yourself, that there's no dates in here. There's not a single date. Once again, if we wanted to know if like, let's see, um, let's see, when was when was this uh, beautiful child um, named Aaliyah born? When was Aaliyah born? They know the date. Kai and Austin are never going to forget their child's birth date. Never, right? You think Henrik and Lana are going to forget their birthday? Their, their their beautiful child Sigrid. When was he born again? I don't know. It's like December time. I don't know. I don't know, right? Everybody you've ever met knows their birthday probably celebrates unless you're jehovah's witness and then you got some issues but um you know everybody knows their birthday but for some reason the lord and savior was here in flesh and they wrote a whole book about it and what did they do They they didn't tell us when he was born or when he died why when was jesus born ladies and gentlemen why didn't the biblical authors tell us the date and record the date why because they didn't need to they didn't need to they don't need to be like well jesus was born on december 25th 0 ad it says it right here first page they didn't need to. why is there no dates here why does why do we not know jesus's birthday <clears throat> because the biblical writers didn't need to make a date they didn't need to write a date in here why because god etched that date literally into your cosmology, into our cosmology, into the very structure of how this thing is built. God has made Jesus' birthday something recognized by simply watching that circular light in the sky. The S-O-N of God. The S-U-N of God. The Son of God. So when was Jesus born? Why didn't they put a date in here? They didn't need to. It's literally crafted into your cosmology. You know, when he said, in case we forget, you know, it's like, it's the same thing I talk about when we talk about Kabbalah, right? So he's like, oh, and just in case we forget, right? We, we don't have a book and nobody told us. And what are we doing here? What's it? It's like, oh, it's like almost God gave us the, you know, the mathematical language of zero through nine, that decimal system. It's almost like he put it right in front of us. It's almost like he did that just in case we would ever get lost down here and not find our way. And it's like, has this thing been designed? What's my purpose here? What am I do? You know, in case we would get there, God made sure he made extra sure that your directive, what you're to do here and his, the intelligence, the natural intelligence within creation was never far away, literally right in front of you, literally in the sky above you. That's a God I can get behind. That's a God I can get behind. That's not a God of belief. That's not a God of conjecture. That's not a God of this religion or that spirituality or I got to go sign up with this person here or I got to give $10 a month, $1 million a month to Blind Willie McShakes and then I'll be saved. Doesn't require any of that. And that's what's so beautiful about Gnosticism. You don't have to listen to people's bullshit. That's <laughs> so freeing. No, the sun's not going to lie to you. So we don't need Jesus's birthday. God tells us when it is. It's today. Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. So we covered Matthew, we, we did the first two chapters of Matthew and we got to two and I stopped. I'm glad glad I did. Um, because here we have Jesus's birthday uh, in Matthew 2 here. It says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the King, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, "Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. They, these brilliant magi, magicians, understood when Jesus was going to be born by doing what? Exactly what I just said. Ex- literally exactly what I just told you. Look up. When, where... I don't know. There's no date here. I can't figure it out. I have to go climbing through endless books of history and dusty old pages of shit to try to figure out when Jesus was born. Or God made that birth date so it was unmistakable. Just follow a star in the East. Saying, comma, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For you have seen a star in the east and are to come to worship him. And we know that that equals, uh, actually, I don't have it here. I'm sorry, here. That equals 365. 365. Where does 365 come from? Who commands 365? The Chinese do. No, it's the Japanese do. No, it's the, no, it's the, by high faith that determines how many days the sun uh, travels over our flat stationary earth. 365. So God put markers in the sky, a really bright constellation, in fact, one of the most notable ones, actually put the brightest star in the sky as well to point to you. Naturally, no man can corrupt it exactly when the Lord and savior was going to be born down to the fact that they even encoded in the math, the very number. So we know that these, they have these three days that this is what happens right now. Right? Okay. So we know, so we know, uh, we have this son, Days get shorter, 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 shorter. Hits that hits the, hits the cross on that 21st, and then stops moving south. And then you basically have the sun standing still, not moving north or south for three days, as we know. And then today is when those days will start getting longer. So we have those three days. That math is the three days that's literally encoded in scripture and then literally encoded in your sky? <laughs> There's math to that. There's science to that. Verifiable, repeatable science. That science has been crafted into his name. So not only was like God like, Okay, well, just in case you would ever get lost, you just like, well, just like look up and find it there. And then in case you ever get lost, you could just like look in front of you and find it there. But in case you wanted to go even deeper than that and actually go into his name, it was made sure that the very pattern of three days that we're talking about is crafted into his name. What do you mean, Marty Leeds? Three days can be converted to one of these units. twenty-five 259,200 seconds. So three days, 24 hours each day. 86,400 seconds in a day times that by three, you get something like that. Uh, The minutes in three days is 4,320 minutes. And the hours in three days is 72 hours. 259,200 seconds, 4,320 minutes and 72 hours. Let's look at Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ equals what? 72. How many days was he dead? Three. How many hours is that? 72. Look, Lord jesus christ equals 72 72 hours let's go to jesus j-e-s-u-s four, five, six, six, six. Four times five times six times six times six four times five times six times six times six is what 4,320 <laughs> wait a second so now we have the hours and the minutes in his name You know what I said? One day. How oh, do I don't want to get to that? Um, twenty-five, two hundred fifty-nine thousand two hundred. How do we get that? There's five letter, five letters. Oop, five. Some days, some days I know math. Five letters in the name of Jesus, J, E, S, U, S, and six in Christ, C, H, R, I, S, T. Jesus equals twenty-seven, and Christ equals thirty-two. Five letters times twenty-seven, six times uh, thirty-two. Multiply that, and you get twenty-five thousand nine hundred twenty literally multiply that by 10 and you get the number of seconds so the hour so wait a second wait a second so this book this 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 book of mythologies here is telling you about this cycle of Jesus of this the cycle of the sun the death and resurrection of the sun the death and resurrection of the sun on on the cross here and then we're given those 3 days naturally and then in scripture and then we go to the actual mathematics of those 3 days and it's all over the name of Jesus. True religion by the way. True true religion. True spirituality. Okay? And this is something I really really want you guys to understand. There is a science behind salvation. There is a science behind salvation that this stuff that these the, the everything that we just talked about today is is based on what things that are verifiable and repeatable there's a reason there's 3 days there's a reason that those 3 days have 72 hours and 4320 minutes and there's a reason that saying where is he that is born king of the jews we've seen a star in the east and come to worship him is there's a reason that a equals 365 it's not arbitrary Why? Because it's telling you specifically, directly, without any question or controversy, exactly what the Bible is talking about. You don't have to believe in a bunch of horse apples and a bunch of conjecture and opinion and and interpretation by a bunch of men that are going to tell you what this means. God, if you listen to him, will tell you what it means. And not only that, God will back it up with science not back it up with a bunch of opinions by people that lead nowhere, that do not allow any insight into this thing whatsoever. This <laughs> is trying to give you a new outlook on life. This right here is actually trying to give you a new outlook on life. That's what the, that's what the Bible's here to do. It's, it's a new outlook. And really that outlook is to, is to in-look, is to look in, is to recognize that these stories are happening what? They're happening within here. They're happening within. They're happening upstairs, of course, as we know. Microcosm, macrocosm. What is the zodiac man? As we've covered numerous times, you're a reflection of the entire thing. So, if we want to really get a command of our spiritual journeys and our lives, and and what we're doing here and things like that, we need a new outlook, and that's to, that's a, that's an inlook to look within. Why are we looking within? Why are we looking within? Why don't we just go to the? Why are you telling us not to go to the Bible, Marty? And no, I'm not saying that. I sell these things. We we teach this stuff. But guess where this is? Guess where this is? Two Corinthians three two. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. <laughs> so where are these stories? You have to have it in here. You have to have this book here in order to understand and therefore get accepted and having blah, 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 blah. Right? And then you go to this book and what does it tell you? Transcend the book. That this, everything we just taught to you, right? Everything we just talked about is a story that's written in the stars, but ultimately it's a story written where? As the good book tells you, in your hearts. <clears throat> These guys didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the body. they didn't know Jesus did they maybe they did though did they no they might not know some some story about this man. The Greek dude was a Jew and it was written in Greek and then I don't know it's pretty you know. It's, it's pretty confusing sometimes but they didn't have any of this but somehow somehow they figured out death and resurrection how the bear is like the earth each year it dies and is reborn the birds in the sky have freedom dignity and beauty the waters home of the fishes and turtles give life to all things we can see all things in the forms of the mountains they looked at creation with their hearts that's how they commune with god that's how god gives you information that's how that's how you have a gnostic experience You don't go to Pastor Bob or Preacher Steve over here or go sweep up around the ashram in India for a few years and go, you know, do this thing. And next thing you know, all of a sudden, God, no. You go here. God never left it far from anyone. He made sure it was up here and he made sure it was right here. And ultimately he made sure it was right here. So we have a new outlook in life this year. That's the, this. That's what this is all about. It's a new outlook for the year. So we're celebrating this. And that's to look in. See the epistle that's written in your heart. And it's like, well, what does that also tell us to do? It's to look up in this, this next year. Look up. It's a piece of advice. Not only just look up in your world, be more positive, all that sort of stuff. Let your light shine before all men. Right? That sort of thing. But also, look up. Because your story's in the stars. Look up. Don't listen to Marty Leeds, though. I wouldn't trust... First off, I'm Irish, so that's like already like four or five strikes right there. Right? I'm a questionable character at times, so I wouldn't trust me at all. But this guy might have known something. What is he telling you? Look up. Your story of God is crafted into the stars. Where's my book? It's been crafted into the stars. God made sure that we would never lose the story. We would never lose what he wants of us. We would never lose that lesson plan. Look up. What you'll find up there. You'll find the same thing in here. So, I guess the message for this next year, take up your cross and follow him. What do you mean? What does it mean to take up the cross? What is a human being? Da Vinci knew. Ah, he's a representation of the heavens and the earth. He's a perfected creation. He's a perfected creation from the creator. He's made in the image of this creator. Of the heavens above. is a celestial. is a material representation of the celestial and he comes in the form of what? A cross. And so, there you go. So that's what Christmas is really all about. To help you recognize who you are, where you are, what you're doing here, how God has ordained his principles, his design, his, what, he, what he wants of you, his will, your process, your spiritual directive of death and rebirth. Jesus, God, Almighty has placed the entire thing within two lines, a vertical one and a horizontal one. And that's going to do it for me. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Thank you all for the love and the support. I appreciate that. This is what keeps this baby going. Um, And I so so appreciate it. If you want to get a copy of the new book, it is for pre-sale, and like I said, it'll probably ship out in maybe like three weeks, something like that. Hopefully before that, we'll send it out. Um, it is DIY, and it's, you know, print-on-demand, so it's, it does take a while, just so you know, but it'll be worth it. Um, so if you want to do the pre-sale, that is at GnosticAcademy.org, and um, I think you'll like it. Um, I Like I said, I do my best to really try to consolidate, really distill a... a everything all the information that i've gathered over the years that have stuck in my head and it's like running around there i try to do my best to distill that down into something palatable something that's digestible something that's you know and hand it off to you guys so that's what the book is all about and it is just the first foray into um this so I'm, there'll, there'll be more um as 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 time goes so i'm sure i'll do another book or more we'll see so oh carrie musgrave thank you so much I appreciate that. So, uh, that's going to do it. Guys, have a wonderful Christmas. I really appreciate everybody that stops by and shows the love. And is just here every Sunday. It, it's it's just... I really appreciate it. So So, um, okay, that's going to do it. Guys, have a wonderful Christmas. We're going to listen to a song called Chaos and Order on the way out. And it's by yours truly. And it's off a record called Logos Rising, I think is what it is. And you can get that at GnosticAcademy.org. So... All right, if you guys would like to uh, sign up, GnosticAcademy.org, 14 bucks for three months, 54 for the year. You can also donate through there. Lots of, once again, videos, podcasts, and a whole bunch of reading material, um, educational material, because that's what we're here for. We are right at church and an academy. So guys, I just want to say, may you always keep yourselves to the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. All right, that's going to do it. Guys, have a wonderful Christmas. I love you all very much and I thank you for your time and your support and your attention and it just means Ruth Scott thank you so much thank you so much I appreciate that Um, it's what keeps this thing going and uh, we hope to keep it going Uh, I'd really like this thing to grow so we'll see so um, I will see you next Sunday and we're going to do a um, I think we're going to do a um retrospective of the last year and a look forward as to what we hope to accomplish with um you know this church and academy in the next year so um yeah so that's gonna do it okay this is a song called uh chaos and order thank you all so much have a wonderful christmas and i love you very much as always many blessings and much love to all